Oof. How to? Did you hear that bass, man? Did you hear that bass? That bass man? Did you hear that bass? What's that? Boom, 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 What? Fucking didn't have to go that hard. It did not have to go that hard. Even their name goes hard. Their name is Go Daigo. <laughs> like I thought it was like Go Daigo or Go Diego. Go Diego. But I think it's actually meant to be Go Daigo. Go Daigo. Which is fucking brilliant. I l- love Japan. <laughs> Just everything I hear about Japan makes me love it even more. Especially a goddamn movie like this. Oh, <laughs> welcome to the Podshow Cinecast over here on Patreon. This is a Patreon Good Bagel Boss special request episode, which means it actually will go on the main timeline as well. So welcome, you main timeline listeners. Um, it was requested by a long-time listener and now three-time Good Bagel Boss Will? Will? Done. <laughs> if you'd like to hear us talk about any film of your choice, then hey, go become a good bagel boss over there, aka back us for $25 or was it 20 pounds for one month only over at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. And we'll grant your wish unless uh, you truly bring us something eventually fucked up. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to do a really fucked up thing. Um, but yeah, you know, Will's already been a pretty generous backer over there on patreon he's brought us uh, a couple of special request episodes in the past one was uh the ewok movies and uh which you you love the other was the garbage pell kids movie so you can see that the bar is pretty fucking low for what we'll cover over there and you know if the price is right patreon.com forward slash the pcc podcast (laughs) (laughs) so phil what did will Bring us this time. House or house? House, house, old house, right? Yeah. House. Sweet. I didn't make it. I see in your eyes where tomorrow is hiding in my heart. There's a bell ringing loud at the touch of your lips. Down the rainbow, I'm sliding with arrows keep falling as thick as a cloud. In an effort to avoid spending time with her father and his creepy new lover, young gorgeous or... Is she creepy? I don't know. Uh, or angel, 
whichever I don't I don't really understand this. Like I don't know if it's like in the English version they consider her gorgeous or like they call her gorgeous. And everywhere I was looking when I was doing research for this, her name is Angel. Gorgeous, but she was clearly called Angel. 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 Um, played by (laughs) Kimiko Ekigami. Resolves Melody. (laughs) Resolves to visit her aunt's remote mansion with six of her closest friends in tow, including the musically inclined Melody, played by Yuriko Tanaka, (laughs) the geeky prof or professor, played by (laughs) Ai Matsubara. The Always Hungry Mac, short for stomach, played by Miko Sato. Why is it short for stomach? It should be short for Big Mac. <laughs> or mac and cheese. Or mac and cheese. Sorry, yeah. The bubbly and gentle stomach. sweet, played by Masayo Miyako. The ass-kicking <laughs> kung fu. Our fave. I love kung fu so much. Played by Miki Jinbo. <laughs> and her best friend and constant daydreamer, Fantasy. Played by Kumiko Oba. Angel arrives at the estate where supernatural events occur almost immediately. A severed head takes flight. Household appliances come to life. And a portrait of a cat seems to contain an evil spirit. And which results in a fever dream of a movie that involves the haunted house literally devouring the young women. It's the <laughs> 1977 Japanese experimental comedy horror directed and produced by Nobuhiko Obayashi, written by Chiho Katsura, based on ideas influenced by Obayashi's daughter, Chigumi. Phil, hot takes okay. out the gate. Hasu! We saw this the exact same time together. We saw it together. <laughs> yeah, together. It would, um, I think what you just said put it perfectly. It's a fucking fever dream of a movie. Yeah. And it, I think it's meant to be. This is one of the most batshit things I've ever seen. I, I had no idea what it was. I didn't realize it was just like experimental comedy horror. And it was so fucking trippy and so weird. And like we kept saying afterwards, like, it like almost like an anime come to life. Yeah, it's the closest thing to an anime ever. I would like I would get <laughs> such. I mean, for obvious reasons, get such like Sailor Moon vibes at the beginning because it's like Japanese yeah. girl girl and then cat. Um, yeah, and like one is like you know a fighting machine and then she doesn't flip. Yeah, shit. yeah. Remind me of Ramna one half as well, like which is one of my favorite anime manga sort of things ever. So. I feel like if. If if they did like a live action, like when they do live action adaptation, they should look like this. They never do, yeah. but they should. That sort of this is the model. Yeah. Like it was one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had watching a movie, <laughs> being in a cinema, just like not knowing what I was watching, not knowing what was happening, why it was happening, and it was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like I loved it. Like I absolutely loved it. It was so fucking weird it was just i can't i can't i I will get when we go through it there'll be i hope i can be more specific but yeah it's just so wonderfully out there i'm so happy a movie like this exists yeah i think once we get more into it we'll start 
pulling out some of those silly things. Cause I, I even said this to you because Phil and I saw this at the Prince Charles cinema in a sold out screening and we were kind of waiting to, for Halloween time anyway. And I think we kind of saw it the like perfect opportunity, like on the big screen, yeah, which was we kind of fun it. with yeah. an audience, even though there was like one fucking guy that started talking like, <laughs> yeah, and Ryan like, told him to shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why are you talking? He was like, Oh, but like, that's all you could hear. And it's just like, why are you talking? Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) And it was weird. It it was an audible crowd anyway, like a vocal crowd. Like they were laughing and like really enjoying it. So you could really tell when it's just a guy talking. (laughs) Yeah. And like for full volume. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't hear what he was saying, but story like, dude, shut up. But anyway, Mm. uh, besides that, yeah, we, we saw it together and, um, in anticipation for this so like sorry will because you had you know asked for this like i guess the, it's been a couple of months now but like i was mm. purposely waiting for halloween because i felt like it was a good time to do this and uh yeah dude it was a great time it was a great time for this so good such a good time seeing that like in the cinema and it was really fucking funny it's funny because this film's like 45 years old this year it's like it's 45th anniversary how it and it's old? like I just came out of it like, dude, I wish they still made movies like this. Like, yeah, it's yeah. fucking beautiful. Kind of like one of those, like, it's weird. <laughs> I'll get into it. It's very, it's purely, it's very yeah, weird. I don't throw like perfect around a lot. And it's funny because the reason why this film even made is made is because of a film that I've called perfect on this podcast before. Um, <laughs> like, it's kind of like one of these films, like it's not like perfect by the, by the sense of, um, you know, what most regular people, movie. like a regular movie would, cons- you know, what yeah, most people it's not consider like perfect, the, but. Cause like the acting or the writing or the character art, like none of that shit. There. Yeah. You don't need it though. Yeah. It's just a group of girls. They all have like a distinct personality. Yeah. They're literally named after it. They go to a haunted house run by a crazy old witch and one by one, they get eaten by the house yeah. in one way or another. And it, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And like, and then it's all these like really beautiful flourishing. It's how it's shot and it's how it's made. It's so, got these like weird, like, and like even the comparison to a manga is correct because it's like, or appropriate because it's all these like panel style shots and editing is shot within shot. Yeah. And like lots of, uses of like beautiful matte painting and then really dodgy green yeah. screen. <laughs> yeah. Like it just, it's like it just it it just like it's a train just running like like just completely derailing yeah. but like still making it to its destination. Yeah. And it's just, it doesn't care how it gets. But there, you're having a blast the whole time. Just just watching it, just watching the crazy like like even like the visual effect that's like like drawings on the screen. Yeah. It it just it's like all I of it, it or like rivers of yeah. blood. It's just no rule. That's a movie with no rules. Yeah, that's why I meant by like it's it's perfect for me because it's like I've been told so many times you've got to learn the rules in order to break them. And then like it's so stifling when someone tells you that as a young artist who's just trying to like make art that you like to do that you think is fun. Mm. And it's to be honest, that sort of shit has really fucked with me, I think, like um, in my development as an artist, as a musician, as a like as an actual graphic artist as an actual like uh you know like drawer painter like because i used to do a lot of that back in the day and 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 you know i would hear it a lot in magazine design because i used to like um be like the uh design editor and executive editor on my school my high school's magazine and um 
I would have these really cool, interesting ideas and stuff that like looked really fun and stuff. But then like the design, like the teacher of the class would always be like really like stupid about like how she wanted the it was almost like you know mm. they would never let the students actually do anything they would like it would just yeah, be like the teacher and then some other fucking old ass guy would come in and he'd fuck up everything and then by the time the magazines printed it just looked like shit like it's just like, oh. <laughs> and it would still win awards and she's like why like it looks horrible <laughs> um but anyway i digress uh but like that's the sort of thing that like i I loved about this movie because it was like, I was sitting there watching it and I was just like, dude, he's doing anything and everything that he could possibly do to break all the fucking rules of filmmaking. And I fucking Mm -hmm. love him for it. Like Obayashi goes mental in this movie. There's like anything and everything like fucking stop motion shit going on. There's like hand-drawn animations, weird, like you said, green screen, like chroma key, like, all sorts of bullshit going on in this movie and it's fucking batshit crazy and it's hilarious and the fucking soundtrack slaps fucking it does slaps. Clap. i would not expecting that out of nowhere so will could we soften the will a little bit maybe for you okay yeah soften we'll soften down. the will actually i think will, will kind of likes it will good job will, will well good job yeah good job next time you do it let's bring more of this sort of stuff Third time's the charm. (laughs) House is often said to be developed by the legendary Toho Studios in Japan in hopes to cash in on the success of what film do you think? Godzilla. Not Godzilla. (laughs) A film that I said was perfect before on this podcast. That's what I was alluding to earlier. Um, 1970s. 70s. Horror. Sort of. Sort of horror. Horror. American? Yeah. Like gigantic movie, not like the Amityville. Exodus? No, a film. I that, don't know when things a film came that out. We've not Halloween. done an episode on that Did I we? said was a perfect movie. One of three films I think that I've thrown <laughs> perfect around for. I don't remember. Wait, give me a clue. <laughs> you bought me tickets to see something. Oh shit, George! George, <laughs> I was like, how is this connected to George? <laughs> I don't know either. The studio <laughs> was like. Hey, Jaws is a big success. Steven Spielberg's Jaws is fucking huge. So let's uh, <laughs> let's try to cash in on this. Um, so as the story goes, Toho, who are basically, they're known for the likes of like Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai and the likes of, of Godzilla. You've already brought up mm. that. They were struggling. And by the 70s, audiences had basically lost interest in like those samurai films or the kaiju genres. So to try to win a new audience, Toho approached Nobuhiko Obayashi to direct a film like Jaws. <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> and they were hoping, I guess, to like, you know, get like an all tour, a Japanese all tour to direct the film. So originally, Obayashi was just going to be writing it. Obayashi began experimenting with film when he attended Seijo University, despite pressures from his father to become a doctor. And by the 1960s, hmm. he was a well-known, established, you know, filmmaker in the experimental film scene. And he was a member of Japan's Filmmakers Cooperative. And... You know, basically, he was screening his work regularly at art theater guilds and stuff like that. So, like, he was just, you know, big in this experimental sort of film thing. And you could really see how that, like, evolved into this fucking movie. Like, he had to have been experimenting a lot (laughs) to make this shit. Um, Obayashi and his contemporaries in the experimental 8mm format would put on screenings at their universities and make shift venues around Tokyo. And that was how they got their work seen. 
But at the same time, Obayashi was uh, creating short advertisements independently for small businesses as a means to support himself in his uh, artistic endeavors. So again, you could see, I think, advertisement kind of play into this film as well. Sure, like, sure. This yeah, yeah. really stern, idealized style that he has for this movie that's just like, I don't know, it's weird. Um, it's really hard to put your finger on it because that was the whole thing like when we left the screening, I was just like, I don't really know how we're going to talk about this movie. <laughs> like, cause it's hard to describe even what you see. It's like, I would recommend a hundred percent. Anyone watch it, watch it just to have a yeah. fucking blast. Like it's just weird, it. man. If you like a weird fun time, um, because it does have a story that makes sense as well. Uh, it's oh yeah. Weird. It's it's smart enough to have a very simple, coherent story. Yeah, it's just like a that like, like a, that like totally paid off at yeah. the end. Like it makes sense. And you're just having like on top of that, it gets to tell it as crazy as possible. Yeah. But like even like so it starts and you're just like, okay, it's about a bunch of schoolgirls and you kind know, of a weird like teacher men- as well. <laughs> They're, they're meant to go away with this teacher. Yeah, which is very dodgy. Initially. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh no, they have to go to her aunt's place instead. I was like, that sounds way safer yeah. than hanging out with an adult man teacher yeah. that you all have a crush on. Yeah. Fucking Captain Sideburn over here. But then the whole... But then he had his own little side adventure. Which makes trying to no get to sense the house. and it's so funny. It's amazing. <laughs> like even him getting like derailed the first time, you know, when he like falls down the stairs and like spins around and like gets dragged down the street. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's got like the pot on his butt and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, this is like a fucking chaplain like sequence I'm seeing. Mm. But then, yeah, it's like he had his own sort of... I mean, that was one of the bits I pointed out to you afterwards. I was like, did I see... There's one bit where he stops that Anuda bar. Yeah, dude, and, and like, that fucking song is playing. It's like that weird blues song. The Hungry House Blues. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. But there's a there's a bear. Yeah, there's a bear with like a at the bar bandana. Like he's working a there. Ramen bear. But I don't know if you were and like, was what, that real? And I was like, I don't know if that was yeah, meant to be a real this, bear or not. This is what I mean. I was like, this is a fucking fever dream. Cause yeah. it's literally making me question <laughs> what I saw, what was real. Was any of it real? Yeah. Like, what about could, the melon the man? The, Cause that, like, that was the ultimate thing. The melon like, man is insane. The, the melon man appears and it's like, it doesn't really matter when you first see him. Cause he's just there and he like sort mm. of directs the girls to the house. But then like he, he appears later because the teacher guy um, finally mm. makes it to where the house sort of vicinity of the house is. But then like the melon man, I mean, are we going to have to do like a little what bonus? Can do it? Yeah. What did he do? Snack time. It's finally October. You know what that means. It's time for your spooky, spooky snack time to haunt your dreams. Bonus snack time. He's like, I don't like melons. I like bananas. Bananas. <laughs> we both have bananas. What? Best fruit ever. Banana gang. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Green shot, banana gang. But the, the, the thing is, like, uh, he turns them in. 
he, he does he turn him into a banana? Does he turned him into a pile of bananas? But and then, I did not see that coming. But then the melon man, like something happens to him as well. I think he's like part of the spell. Yeah, I think he's like so her, like I think he's like her eagle or some shit. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Because this film is like the deal. It's very like um, like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs as well. Yeah, you said that. A very good because there's like all like literally there's the seven of the girls, and then there's the witch as well. But it's also a classic Japanese like ghost story as well, which I love, Mm. and it's really snowy the cat. Yeah, it's snowy the cat, and I said that. Yeah, it was like Snow White the cat, Snowy the cat, and the the fact that a cat is sort of like. A fucking one. Main I love cats. Two cats being like a witch's fucking like you know familiar. Great. And three, yeah. a cat fucking <laughs> being the evil crux of the whole film. Fucking awesome. Yes. Like because fuck dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Literally at the end of the movie, like we have to kill the cat, and then that means kung fu kicking a painting. <laughs> I'm just like that's like, not how you'd kill the cat. Well, she's like half inside of. Like what yeah, is like yeah. a light it's coming alive or something? I can't even remember. Yeah. She's oh, it's so that amazing. I love it. I love it so much. It takes way too, it takes way too long for them to figure what's going on. I swear <laughs> to God, three of them go missing before it's like <laughs> wait something weird going on. Even Kung Fu is like fighting ghosts, and she's like, huh, weird. Yeah, yeah. She's like just must like, yeah, be yeah, my right. imagination. <laughs> like no, something's after you. Yeah, get the fuck out of the house. <laughs> It's so good. I guess they can't leave. Like the house isn't even really there. Yeah. Mm, strange. It's so funny. I mean, like Kung Fu in general is the best fucking thing in the world. She's the best. And she has Her the theme best song? fucking song. It's fucking sick. And I told you that I had like randomly by chance, like when either when I'm like prepping episodes or like, I don't know, maybe just like working Cause like I will have like YouTube up in the corner and sometimes I probably said this on the podcast before, um, but when I'm working and I have to write stuff, I can only listen to music um, because when I watch something that might have talking or something, it really fucks with my ability to like write. Um, So I had been listening to a lot of like random music and one thing that came up, I think it was because I got a bass and I was like trying to figure out different things with bait like you know playing the bass and shit and it suggested this fucking japanese jazz thing called like akira akira something and hit like in his uh count count buffaloes or something like that and it had a really cool cover so i clicked on it it was this 1970s japanese jazz album and it was really fucking sick and i kept going down these like fucking rabbit holes of all these japanese fucking jazz and funk and fusion weird like you know 70s style like uh psych music and shit and the soundtrack was like hitting that fucking mold and i was just like fuck yes dude like oh man i'll get into it um but yeah like you know it's funny because like toho they they want to make this fucking film you know and nobuhiko obayashi so like he's you know he's been working like in advertising and stuff and like you know, he made a name for himself. He was a really popular, you know, director of commercials and stuff. So, like, at the time, he was offered to work with Toho. He was, like, working with this company called Dentsu, which was, like, the largest advertising firm in Japan, where he created over 2,000 commercials. And he worked with the likes of, like, Kirk Douglas and Charles Bronson, 
on ads where like they were basically hawking things like coffee and uh, cologne respectively. (laughs) It's brilliant. You know, Kirk Douglas just sitting there like on screen in this weird Japanese sort of like landscape and shit. And there's this like other fucking, you know, dude who is like sitting next to him and stuff. And Kirk Douglas is just looking at him. He's just like "Mm, coffee. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's literally all it is. And then he just like (laughs) calls cut and he's just like, you know, I got another take for you. You're going to like this uh, Maxim coffee. It'll put fucking hairs on your chest. You know, you know who doesn't drink coffee? And if he does, it's probably fucking decaf. That pussy ass son, (laughs) Michael, fucking pussy drinking his decaf coffee. Come on. Come on. You want to be a man? This is man's coffee. It's Maxim coffee. Take your shirt off. Go to Vietnam. Have a heart attack. That's what I want for my kin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fuck <laughs> Over there drinking your puffy oh. tea bullshit. <laughs> you want the Japanese coffee? So Obayashi was just like, "Okay, oh, Mr. Douglas, just just say coffee. Just say coffee. Yeah. More <laughs> intensity. Just just say coffee. You sure, <laughs> coffee. Coffee. Mm, coffee. Mm, coffee. That's literally what that commercial is. It's just like mm, <laughs> coffee. Back to the coffee." <laughs> Obayashi took the project and basically he found inspiration for the story by discussing ideas with his preteen daughter Shigumi. Basically, I, I watched this little like making of featurette thing and they had interviews with Shigumi and they had interviews with Obayashi and he was talking about like, you know, children basically come up with these ideas that are just like, like so foreign and they can't be explained. Whereas like adults would just give you like the same boring fucking story. And, you know, mm-hmm. he knew that the assignment was, hey, like, let's come up with something that's like Jaws. And he kind of was poking fun he didn't overtly say it, but he was kind of poking fun with like, uh, you know, in America, the answer to a lot of companies who in studios who were trying to make a Jaws-esque horror film was to like, all right, well, it's a bear. And there was literally like, you know, <laughs> a bear horror film that was supposed to be yeah. like a Jaws movie. You know, so he goes and he asks his daughter because like she's like around 10 years old at the time. And he's just like. You know, what What are some things that, like, you know, make you scared? And she is just start coming up with all these brilliant little ideas. Like, and, you know, not all of them were used, but, you know, things that were that were used was basically she was sitting there, like, combing her hair. And she's just like, you know, it would be scary, like, you know, if the person in the mirror started attacking me. <laughs> and, then, and then it was like, like, okay, how the fuck do I do that? Yeah. And then there's, like, things like, all right, well, um, when I was at grandpa's house, you know, over the summer uh, he and grandma had this like really loud clock that really freaked me out and they didn't have a fridge. So like the only way to get things cold, like a watermelon was to put it down, you know, this well, in the and well. when we pulled yeah. it up, it looked like a f- fucking severed head basically, <laughs> you know? So it was like all these weird little ideas. And he like, basically was just like, you know, like a house that eats a girl. And she was using all of her little childhood fears, like about how, you know, basically like, 
pile of futons falling owner falling over her like a monster attacking her and like oh my god um, yeah the girl who literally get buried in the yeah. <laughs> what the fuck yeah. with that and then like her fear of like basically she was she was like oh i used to play piano and like um i would learn from like you know a classically trained piano teacher and stuff and she would go to see movies and stuff and like learn how to play all these tunes and she was playing all wrong. And the teacher would just be like slapping her hands. And so that like put a lot of fear in her and fear of the piano. And then like, you know, and she once got her the fingers, fingers being bitten off. Yeah. She got her finger caught between the keys and she was like the fear oh. of like the, like, you know, the, the, like, I guess, what is it? Like the, what's that fucking thing? The cover of the key, the key cover thing, like coming in, yeah, like yeah, slamming yeah. on your fingers as well. And she was like, so basically that's where all these like fears of like, you know, the, the piano eating melody is like fucking crazy scene. It's so stupid, but it's really fucking fun. Like, it's so silly. That shot of her pulling up her hands though. We both did just go like, Oh God, like her fingers are gone. You know what I mean? Like we just, like in our, we, we just did another episode where we talked about like ultra violent. Yeah. And it's like, this isn't, it is violent, but not in a like roast out like over the top like unnecessary like bloody like it it's just like that like just like a a shot of like that with like a finger sort of like had been bitten off like yeah. that's like really terrifying but not but then like when she's like actually like sucked in it's kind of fucking insane yeah it's just it's funny like different body it's just parts like, it's like yeah limbs <laughs> and again like all this weird like yeah. hand-drawn stuff going on around it to be honest she was probably my second favorite i mean i mean like kung fu was like the best just because she was so fucking badass and like the music yeah. was sick and she was just like flying all over the place it was fucking hilarious but melody was fucking so funny because like her melody face like she would just give those distant stares oh. like <laughs> like playing the song ding and like when she's just playing and they can't even talk to her like yeah. stuff like that it's get like yeah genuinely by the end like because you're having such a good time and it, it's really funny but by the end i thought like there were bits of it that like actually i found quite disturbing quite yeah. haunting like especially towards the end during the big finale the, the scene where like the floor falls away yeah it's all sort of flooded and away gets very like that uh, that bit really freaked me out. Yeah. Like it gets very it like really night- well done. Nightmare on Elm Street style. Like that's what where the, exactly that's the why finale I liked of it. Nightmare on Elm Street, which this is years before that. Um, but you know, like reality completely Nancy's sort of like going up the stairs, and it's just like spongy <laughs> stairs that she's like falling yeah, into. Yeah, yeah, shit. yeah. Like it's very similar to that sort of shit. Oh man, yeah, total Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. I think one of the cool things that happened with Obayashi here was like he was incorporating again. This is like uh, we we brought this up with um, Godzilla, and I think it's uh, something from this time period where it was coming up a lot. Um, it was coming up in a lot of like Kurosawa films as well. Uh, is the whole horrors of the atomic bombs, and I think that is like mm-hmm. the other element to this film that really kind of ties everything together because like it's like hey, we've got this nonsense that's happening when the girls arrive to the house it kind of doesn't really matter like about the girls and what their whole like you know story is like they're fun enough and i think i think to be honest it's great that they're girls as well i think it's just really a fucking progressive film in that way that it's just like these definitely they're kind of cool like they're fun the stuff they're talking about it feels very ahead of its time like just really joking around about you know boys and like teasing each other in a way that doesn't feel like 
it doesn't feel like any other film from that time period, really. It was like, it felt very No, and real. it felt, yeah, and it felt very, modern's not the right word, but just still like, yeah, yeah not, not. It felt very yeah, real. Yeah, it was just the way they were talking about stuff, it felt more real. Like, I think like, you know, in the other episode we just recorded, we were talking about Halloween. And Halloween is great because you could see the elements where I think Deborah Hill was writing, where the girls in the original Halloween yeah talk about things that just feel very real. Whereas like there's films that try to capitalize on Halloween success years later. Um, and you know, after the fact where in horror and stuff where there would always be like female leads because they had the whole final girl thing, but they didn't mm-hmm. really know how to write for women and for girls and stuff. And it was just like these sort of like weird, it didn't feel right. Like you could tell there's a guy that's writing this shit and it's just like, it doesn't yeah. really work where doesn't sound real believable. Yeah. This is like, he, I don't know, just something about it. It just felt like he was writing and maybe it was to like, he has a group of girls and it was because maybe an homage to his daughter giving him all these ideas that it was like, it was like, you know, girls that were there and it was like, almost like he wanted to give, his daughter like to see herself on screen in a way I'm putting words out there. It was just, I don't know if that's really why there was all these girls and stuff, but like being the crux of the story and all that. But like, um, mm-hmm. it was just like, it felt like just legitimate. Like you're watching these young girls who just like head into this. And uh, the big thing was with the whole idea that tied everything together. Was that like, he basically was, uh, you know, a child who was born in Hiroshima. He um, lost all of his childhood friends when the bombings happened, like uh, the atomic bomb dropped. And uh, he basically applied the themes of the horrors of the bombs and World War II and stuff uh, through the woman who was basically the ghost, the, the auntie who was waiting for her lover to return from World War II. And she, you know, he never returns. And she mm. just waits and waits and waits. And that's I love the that classic story, yeah. Japanese ghost story thing. Like the sa- like the woman waiting for her sailor to come back. Like you see that a lot in anime and stuff. Um, you know, like the, the lost lover waiting for a sailor to return home and he never does. And it's just like she becomes this old maiden who dies waiting for her love and her spirit just haunts like, you know, like I swear there was like a Pokemon episode about that sort of thing as well. <laughs> um, so that's a story you feel like you see a lot and it's like a really nice story that's just kind of there in the background. And that's the reason why she's like there. And it's like her bitterness about the war. And also the fact that these girls were born after the, they don't know the true horrors and she's bitter about it. And she devours them because <laughs> Like they don't know the horrors of growing or living through the war and Mm -hmm. she feeds off their youth and stuff. And as she like feeds, like she gets stronger and it's like her powers get stronger until she completely like takes over gorgeous or angel, you know? And I think that's such a like sick story. It's like a really fun story because she just like, she gets stronger, like, you know, her ghost or whatever gets stronger. Like, cause she's there throughout most of the film with the girls. Well, she and she's like in like a, in a wheelchair. wheelchair. And then the next thing yeah. you know, she just pops up and it's like, every time one of the girls disappears, she's stronger. She's like flying around at one point. It's like fucking brilliant. <laughs> I love it. So Not even cool. trying to hide it anymore. Yeah. I think I, I like that, that sort of mirrored as well with the girls. They're waiting for, the man. Yeah. They're waiting for the teacher to come and save them. Yeah. And that's not going to happen. Yeah. They need to figure out how to save themselves or yeah. 
yeah. I mean, that's not really what happened anyway. I don't know what the fuck happened at the end of that movie. It's really weird. I guess it's... Um, well, the ghost wins. <laughs> the she house wins. wins. Well, she, like, takes over... The house wins. Yeah. And the house always wins. Yeah. Well, she, like, takes over Angel. Yeah. Angel and is I really like that Angel possessed. becoming, like, the yeah. new bride. Yeah. yeah. But then, like, who isn't it that's left at the end? Sweet. Oh, it's... um. Well, it's fantasy. No, fantasy. Be- it's sort the of like her best friend. Yeah. best friend. Yeah. She like let her live. Yeah. And she sort of curdled up to her like a daughter. Yeah. Suck at the teat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Literally. <laughs> and it's like, it's just like this weird adoptive family situation going on. Yeah. And then the stepmother comes and she like, gr- like, Oh God, I forgot house, about that. Which is like, great. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's just going to fucking just like kill her. Slowly opening the door. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And that fucking and song that is playing. Song? That song. It better be playing oh now. I was just like, what is this fucking yeah. 70s, like trippy George Harrison tune? Yeah. It's fucking cool. The house love theme, which has uh, Ken Narita singing. He's like a, you know, Japanese singer. Um, yeah, I mean, I can go ahead and talk about the music because I feel like it's like, Jesus Christ, it's so good. I mean, the soundtrack was actually created and released before the film's production. But you'll, as I go through the rest of the, the notes I got about this, it was a lot of that going on with this film, which is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Ase Kobayashi, who worked with Obayashi, sorry, it was Kobayashi and Obayashi, on his uh, television commercials contributed the main piano piece so that... Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. and Kobayashi felt that younger people should contribute dun, dun, to the dun. film soundtrack so he suggested Nikki Yoshino and his band Go Daigo um, <laughs> that they should contr- contribute songs based on that piano piece so like he he basically creates a sick theme and then like Go Daigo just comes in and just like does a million versions of it even one with the cat going meow Meow, meow, meow. Oh meow. my god, I love that. <laughs> when that, that happened, I was just like, yes. I, I love this it. movie. <laughs> they literally mix the cat yeah. into the song. No. Yeah, you insane. have uh, the Hungry House Blues song, so that's so weird. Like, <laughs> uh, there's a few <laughs> other really cool songs. I think the best is Eat, which is like Kung Fu's theme. Uh, there, there was two versions of Eat. There was like, or actually, sorry, there's three versions of Eat. There's Eat which is Kung Fu's theme. Then there's Eat Eat, which is this sort of weird Japanese funk sort of song, which is pretty cool. And then there's Eat Eat Eat, which is a psych garage song that sort of plays towards the end of the film, which is really sick. Um, I mean, there's a sick like jazz song like for the Melon Man's theme. And then there's a hilarious song when the girls are about to head off, like called uh, Cherries Made for Eating. It's like that funny ass like <laughs> sixty songs like the cherries made for eating. <laughs> like it's so silly. And then yeah, the best song at the end of the fucking movie. The house love theme is like, oh you and I were both just like Beautiful. this jamming out soundtrack. Fucking rules. We were sitting right next to each other. It was like, fucking yes, listen to bass. It so just kept sick. happening. I was like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. I was like, wow, this soundtrack is just on it. It just won't let up. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. So good. Um, so yeah, Obayashi, he incorporates this World War II themes in. And then he started to share these ideas with screenwriter Chiho Katsura, who developed the script. And Obayashi and Katsura, who worked together on this script called uh, Hanagatami before they were assigned house. So they basically had a pretty good working relationship and it was pretty easy for them to come up with the script. And 
the script was titled House because Obayashi thought that like having a Japanese film with a foreign title would actually be taboo. So he thought it was kind of fun, just like mm. the house. Um, so Toho, they greenlit the film immediately after they were presented the script. But the project would actually sit idle for like two years because <laughs> no directors oh, wanted to make it. They were basically fearing that it would be the end of their career because it was like a batshit crazy script. And uh, <laughs> Obayashi was basically keen to make it his debut because he hadn't made a film yet to this point. But Toho basically were like, no, because you're not a member of the Toho staff. And it was a sort of like thing back in the day that you're not a member mm. of the staff. This is like our union. film. So, yeah, 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 basically. So meanwhile, Obayashi would just continue to market the film personally. So he convinced the press to mention the film in articles. He convinced Weekly Shonen Magazine to create a manga and basically a novelization of it like later on. Like so... Like he, he was just like on it. He made bumper stickers and postcards and he even got like a radio station to broadcast a radio adaptation of Hasu. So wow. <laughs> like eventually okay, after it, yeah. seeing his loyalty to the project and after realizing that none of their staff directors wanted the project and <laughs> after years of losing money on what they called comprehensible films, Toho relented <laughs> and gave special permission to Obayashi to direct his incomprehensible film. <laughs> Maybe what we need is incomprehensible. <laughs> Something that doesn't make sense. So they filmed it on one of Toho's largest sets where Obayashi shot the film without a storyboard over a period of about two months. So he just kind of went at it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess he was just in his fucking brain. I imagine like him directing is like like a like Jackson Pollock painting. Yeah. <laughs> just fucking yeah. throwing shit yeah, at yeah. the canvas. And then being like, okay, that's done. The majority of the cast were not established actors either. Um, many of them primarily only worked with Obayashi on his commercials and independent films. So like basically, you know, he just had like a crew of people that he, you know, knew and liked. Knew and, liked. and during that two year period, we was leading up to the start of filming a house. Uh, Obayashi created several commercials and began casting the seven girls uh, from models who were in his commercials. So that's kind of how he found them all. I think there was only a couple of them that were, actually a little bit more experienced. And I think that would be the girl who played angel and the, the auntie. Um, and maybe the that makes sense. They were, they I'm the not really sure. Beefier roles. Yeah, definitely. And I think there was like the whole thing, like it's kind of funny cause you have like the weird nudity bits in the film. Um, but they don't really feel like, mm. I don't know. It's not really like, it doesn't feel like exploitive or voyeuristic in that way of like, um, but it's just there and you're like, Oh, yeah, okay. It's kind of weird. And I think he did yeah. have to like, uh, I think Angel's character um, was, so the girl who was playing Angel like was supposed to get nude, but she was uncomfortable with it. So the woman who was playing the auntie like got nude with her. And then that's how it <laughs> led to her being nude in the film or something as well. I don't know. Like, Is she nude in the film? Yeah. She, I think there's those scenes where they like change, like she like, I don't know. It's like, Oh, when they like in the mirror? Yeah, there's a lot of those weird moments where she's either in the mirror or there's like the moment, even I think at the end, where it's like Angel's holding fantasy and it's like the auntie, but then it morphs into Angel's face. It's like a lot oh, of that weird shit going yeah, on. Yeah, that's a lot of times I was looking at her and I was like, I can't really tell who I'm looking at. And the, 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 the constantly changing yeah. shot to shot or that like. Plus, Angel like was overlaying, also are they fucking with you? technically playing her mother as well in like the flashbacks. She was, so yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. they were 
definitely going all over the place with it and it made it really really strange um but i i think like regardless of it you know most of them being like you know not really you know proper established actors um he kept it really light and fun on set and he would sing songs with them play games just like kind of keep them happy and he had all the crew Mm -hmm. actually like like remembering what it's like to make a film and have fun instead of like you know, having like this sort of, Hey, we're coming to a job that we don't like sort of thing. But I think yeah, yeah. that also like some of the established veteran members of Toho were sort of like, this is nonsense. But at the same yeah, time, they were doing? like, we are having fun. So it was like this yeah. weird thing. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's the experience of watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like this is ridiculous, but it's not much fun. Yeah. But yeah, when it came to like the actresses and stuff, like I think they were actually pretty poor the acting and stuff. And that's when he started playing the soundtrack over to the, you know, during the scenes while they were acting to elicit mm. better performances. So like to yeah. give them sort of, Hey, this is like your that inspiration, energy. this energy for this. And it worked. And that, that's what I was going to head into the music at that point. But like, we've already been there, but like, yeah, the soundtrack is <laughs> great. And he like, like I said, he already had it done and everything beforehand. And yeah. Um, you know, he, he sort of like, furthered this like childlike fears during the production, you know, basically when he got into the special effects of everything. Cause like he acted as the director of special effects as well as being the director. He kind of knew where he was going and what he wanted to do. And I guess that's like, you know, I don't have a storyboard. So I like, I know what mm. I want this to look like. And he tried to make this special effects look like as they were made by a child as well. And I think that's why it, when I was watching it, I was like, this is great because it feels like he's just breaking all these rules and just doing whatever he wants to do. And just like throwing, like you said, the Jackson Pollock painting, throwing everything against <laughs> the wall. And somehow it all kind of sticks in this weird fucking mess of a movie. That's amazing. Like, I don't even mean mess. Like it's not a mess at all. I think it's fucking. It's not. It's, it's exactly what it. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly what it's trying yeah, to be. It falls perfectly into place. It's it's more like your. It's more like it's up to you to follow. Yeah, yeah. You really have to like turn yourself off of like anything you've ever seen before, really, because it's like it's not gonna be. It's not gonna be like a fun time if you like are expecting like this. Like I don't know. Like what could you even like throw. Like is a really well-made like Japanese horror film or something like that, like you know, like Ringu or something like that, or yeah, like, like the Ring or the, or the Grudge, grudge or, 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 or or like Audition. It's not or, that. Yeah, it's not that. Yeah. It's not going to be that. Like, so it's like it's a fucking fun house. Like, you know, it's like a a ghost train. You know, it's like fun house is good. Yeah, yeah that's silly. a really good way of describing it. Because like, especially if they go parts of the house are very distinct. Yeah, that the like piano room that's also like the old medical room there's like the skeleton in the background yeah, the skeleton's the out, the, yeah the, the outdoor bit with the um with the well that they keep going back to and that's where kung fu is chopping wood and the wood comes alive and attacks them yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> she doesn't bit, think that's weird i love that it's so good yeah yeah that's great yeah and then the sort of garden bit and there's like the room at the top and and the, it's like on top of this weird hill and then the melon man at the bottom, like really do get a sense, but mad. Like there's a version of this film. I think that's like that dark stuff normal. Yeah. Quote unquote, not to you fucking stupid word, but like, you know, fairly like conventional. And then it, they take that train ride yeah. and then it gets weird. And yeah. It's like almost because they even say it, even the train ride. They they're weird. like, <laughs> cause it's like, it's very it's weird. Like the backdrops, 
like they overlays. Just floating in space. They're floating, and then there's like the cartoon train just going off the tracks and stuff. I it's love just that. like it's so good. <laughs> it's great, good, but it always it's all these like reoccurring like techniques, yeah. like like that that shot later on of the kung fu like or prof maybe. Like it float uh, her head just floating. Oh yeah, that's kung fu with the yeah. blue head and all the heads. Yeah, the blue head. That's like not just like that's a killer shot. Yeah, but yeah, like the, like when they get off the train and they're like running through the countryside because they don't know where they're going. It's like they say something about like oh it's like another world here. It's so weird and magical and like that's how it feels. But like the whole movie feels that yeah. fucking weird. But you know nothing supernatural happened really. Yeah, it's more like this looks like a weird commercial. You know, like, especially like when Angel is talking with her dad. Now that you've said that, I can't get it out of my head. Like when he's like playing golf and he's like, come here, daughter. I need to have a talk with you. And it just it feels like an ad yeah. for like insurance or like a telephone line. Yeah. Or the guard. I don't know. It could be anything. <laughs> but yeah. And then the cat like comes in and takes them to this place. And I love that. Yeah. That's so fucking cool. It's so weird. But yeah. And then when they get to the house, shit just get weirder. And where she tells the story, she explains everything, and then oh, it just gets weirder and weirder. Yeah, but in yeah. a good way. It's Definitely. so like at the beginning, it's so wonderfully weird. Yeah, it's like a joy to sit and like be befuddled by. Definitely. I mean, he was doing all these things, I think, to try to get the audience to laugh. You know, the painted backgrounds, lots of like reusing of backdrops, repeated lines of dialogue, the silly skeleton. Yeah, yeah. The weird orange blood thing, where they use that as like the overlays with the backgrounds and the um. And like the fucking chroma key effect where it was supposed to look like she was just dissolving. I think they did that scene where they like. Oh, yeah. They, when the faith fucking falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. And it, oh. I don't think it came out like he wanted to, but it was sort of like in a lot of the shots, I think kind of in effects didn't really work out like he hoped. But like that kind of he was like that added a layer of charm to it and humor to it because it was just kind of I funny. So. so it was like Lean that one scene it. where she's yeah. sort of like floating and it looks like she's underwater. Um and I can't remember which one it is. It might be Angel or it might be like uh, Fantasy. I can't really remember. But she's like underwater almost. And it, what they did was they had her hanging and they were just throwing blue paint on her while she was over top of a blue screen. So like when they used the chroma key sort of effect, it like made it look like she was dissolving. And it was like just oh, different bits of her body. But it kind of just looked like she was swimming in this like weird orange fucking blood or something. I don't know. It's fucking weird. <laughs> Um, but he, you know, he kept adding in film techniques like, you know, to the state of mind of the girls as well. And the, their personalities basically making them like the narrators of their own stories. So like mm. angel scenes were all shot like a melodrama, which fucking funny. I love when totally melodrama is done really well and and funny, like and hers are perfect. Like when she freaks out about the new all the woman. wind blowing. Yeah, yeah, all the fucking wind. It's like it's really windy. <laughs> you like turned yeah. to me and just said that, and I was like laughing so hard. Like, yeah, it's great. Even up to the end when she has the woman, like you know, the the stepmother come and she like I guess is gonna devour her as well. Mm. You know, it's fucking hilarious. Just all that. Then you got like you know kung fu scenes or like a kung fu film like an anime or something it's really cool yeah um so it was just like a lot of these all the max things. scenes are like bah, 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 bah. <laughs> yeah. she's not even fat yeah, it's, dude, so it's fucking so mean <laughs> it's so funny but she literally like and you don't even see what happened to her yeah. like it, she the, she's the snevered head that she finds in the well and yeah. she bites her on the on the butt and like that's it like even at the goat she like fucking wants to eat 
Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's so yeah. funny. So yeah, like you know, it's just really fun. I think he just kind of used, you know, saying already about their like the nudity is kind of funny or whatever. It's like it's like you know it's there, but like it just kind of feels like the girls are kind of in charge of their story and their bodies are more of mm. like props for them to play with because of yeah, all the weird yeah, yeah. blue screen and shit that's going on. And it's just like really weird. Yeah, it's fucking fun. Um, it was released in July of 77 in Japan and it didn't really, I don't know, like it was kind of funny. Did it, it do well? It did do well. It was funny. Like it was originally released as like a double feature with the romance film Pure Hearts and Mud. Toho didn't think it'd be successful, but it actually was kind of a commercial hit, like with particularly with younger audiences. And I think that was sort of like that weird thing that they were trying to attach to. I couldn't find figures anywhere of how it actually did uh, monetarily, but like um, it seemed like it was kind of a hit. It was just like one of those things where the reviews kind of, I think similar to like the way Godzilla was Japan Mm -hmm. kind of shat on it in when in its initial release but at the same time obayashi would win the blue ribbon award for best director which is a award that was solely awarded by critics so i don't okay understand <laughs> but when it was released in like america and stuff it was getting good reviews and like new york times even it was the critics pick stating that mr obayashi has created a true fever dream of a film in which the young female imagination that of his daughter, uh, gorgeous, both yields memorable results. So it's like, um, I don't know. That's a really good review. It's like, it's a fever mm-hmm. dream. It's like, it's fun. It's a fun time. And it did become a cult, you know, classic over time. Like in, you know, it's often regarded as one of the greatest Japanese horror films of all time. And also one of the best haunted house movies, period, with bloody disgusting stating that it uh, takes the haunted house concept to wacky extremes. And yeah, dude, it, like, to be honest, there's elements of this film that feel like you're watching like a Takeshi's castle and like they're yes. actually fucking murdering yes, the people. Very, like, that's a very good comparison. It's like, yeah. it's super fucking fun. It's like a great time. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't really understand why they would have shat on it in Japan. And it's hard to like, because it's like one of those weird things that's become a cult film over time and like, a lot of the things that I found when I was trying to do research for is like a lot of the same shit over and over. It felt like, so I was trying to like find as much as I could, but I couldn't really get like what actually happened at the time it was released. Um, but it's more of like nowadays it's so revered and respected, like, you know, around the world as this cult sort of like crazy fucking beautiful, like silly movie that you get Mm. just kind of looking through like, you know, the past and like, you know, looking back on it fondly instead of like that, like, you know, thing you get with uh, new films where you can actually see the hard facts of like what was said and like how much money it made and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because like it's a super fun film and like Will obviously loved it. And I know he likes horror and stuff and really like, you know, wanted us Mm. to talk about it in, we did. <laughs> we did. We talked about well, it. Like, and it's one we of those. Enjoyed it. I, had, yeah, I had never heard of it. Yeah. Before you told me about it, and then we watched it, and then we talked about it, and it's one of those few films where I'm very happy I have seen. Yeah. 
I'm going to definitely I'm able go back to talk about. <laughs> I'm able to recommend. I will definitely rewatch yeah. this. This is like again cult in the good word. Like we've had the argument at work so many times about what is cult. Yeah, this is cult. I find I think like in that you just can't you can't like try to make this on purpose. Yeah, this is just like Obayashi like like vision come to life. It like a perfect like cinema movie. Like I hate and I hate saying that too. Just be like every movie, but like like what I imagine like a midnight like show like a Rocky Horror style thing where you watch it in a packed full of packed room full of people that know it and love it and it's like joyful. It was like a joyful like atmosphere in it because it's kind of again we forget about that side of horror. Like you always say, they should be fun. And this one is really fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like I, one definitely worth coming back to. I'm all for a horror film that like really gets under my skin and like mm. truly frightens me. Um, and I've said that on this podcast before that I feel like I'm chasing the dragon with yeah. that feeling. But because I don't think I'm ever going to really get that ever again, like truly like freak me out like Halloween did when I was a little kid or mm. like other films like Chucky used to freak the shit out of me when I was a little kid. Um, I, I don't think I'm really going to get that anymore. There might be moments here or there that just really shock me. There's a really good moment. And I, I've probably said this before as well, Mulholland drive that really like fucking got me, but it's like, mm. I don't think I'm going to get that. So I'd rather my horror be fun. If, if I'm going to go yeah. down the horror, like, I'm fine for a good, fun, spooky time of something that might have a few jump scares here and there. And that's sort of like all that it seems like Hollywood knows how to do these days anymore. Um, but like it's, you know, it, it just needs kind of a, at least a bit of a fun story for me to kind of get, you know, wrapped into. But I feel like mm. I'm not going to truly get scared anymore. So I kind of want my shit to be fun. So like if you're going to, and different. Yeah, yeah. So, like, this film is, like, completely different and completely wacky, and it's fun. <laughs> um, then there's, like, you know, we talked about Halloween Kills in the other bonus episodes, probably already been out uh, in in the Patreon, where it's goes back to the sort of, like, hey, silly fucking kills, where it's, it's mm. gritty and horrible and horror, horrific throughout the film, you know, scary movie, but then there's like fun fucking, you know, murders that are happening. That's what mm. I want. I don't want like fucking brutally extreme real fucking things. I, you know, there's too much of that in real life. Like films should yeah, yeah. escape. Like I, I'm happy to be afraid, but I don't think that doesn't scare me. That just grosses me out. Like, it's just like, ew, yeah. man, gross. Like why it's not fun. Why am I? Yeah. Yeah. That's not fun for anyone. The thing that was fun about Halloween, the original was like, you know, the shit, the, the scary stuff was like the stuff like Michael Myers coming out of the shadows. And I just feel like people don't really yeah, yeah, yeah. like have that anymore and they don't know how to do it. We don't have shit. the patient. Yeah. We don't have the patient for it. So I don't know. I mean, I always hope that there's going to be something that really scares me again, but I just, you know, it's not, it's, I don't know. Maybe know. they'll do like a house kill or a house end. <laughs> house and we'll ends. <laughs> house and what? The witch is back. <laughs> it's 40 years later and she's like, you know, it's the same lady. She's not aged. And it's a new group of girls. <laughs> or actually, fuck it, it's a group of guys yeah. that grow up there. 
Ooh, yeah. flip it. No, dude, I, I had a blast watching this because it's like, it's just silly, man. And like, I already said, like, I just feel like I wish they made films like this more often. Like, they just don't take itself too seriously all the time. Just On every level, fun, you know, like, yeah, and that like, it doesn't take it seriously and that it just looks amazing. It's done, how much of it done practically. It just take chomp like on on the mute the fucking music. The music, oh, oof, oh, just like go, oof. go off, die, go, go hard, Holy shit, yeah. <laughs> and it like it like on every level, it's refreshing. Yeah. even forty five years later. Yeah, so a great watch and a good like fine time in your Halloween viewing. Yeah, for house. Yeah, absolutely. Like I had uh, had to do an email I think about this film a few years ago or last year or something. And I think I like um, that kind of helped me out when I was prepping for this episode. Um, Cause I had already sort of like knew a little bit, but I hadn't seen it before. So this was like a first time watching. It was a great first time watch and it was really fun. So if you want to just a silly fun time, definitely go watch house. Um, thanks will for a, uh, <laughs> a really good recommendation this time. Not that the others weren't good. I mean, cause Sometimes watching like a um, a shitty fucking movie is a great time. I don't know if Will was hoping that we would shit all over this movie or something or or what. I don't know, like, because <laughs> it's hard to like figure out where I Will's think it's, going. I think it. I think it could have gone either way, right? Because you yeah. can. I think you could look at this movie and be like, "This is fucking crazy and stupid," and like. Yeah. this bit funny that bit funny but whatever or you could like genuinely love it for all those same reasons yeah i feel like it's a good one it was a good one to pick because i think either way if we hated it or loved it this episode probably would have been it would have made for a good episode either yeah, way definitely well ladies and gentlemen that's it for us wrapping up here thanks again to will for uh for yeah becoming a good big old boss again and uh, for bringing down the house bringing down the house um, <laughs> late, and like you know Patreon listeners you're getting this first but like I said this is going on in the main timeline as well so you're already here thanks for being backers and stuff but uh, everybody else who on the main timeline who's hearing this for free this is a bonus episode for you in the timeline um, thanks free. for listening and if you want to become a patron so you can hear more episodes like this because we do bonus episodes where we talk about Halloween kills we've been talking about it uh, a little bit through this episode um, and I kind of forgot that was for Patreon only uh, so if you want to hear us talk about new films we do at least one a, once a month like recently we've been doing quite a few we're killing it in October bonus episodes every week October. we've had one yeah. yeah so head over there patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast you get bonus episodes galore nowadays it feels like um, and yeah uh, we also did you know, for $5 and up backers, we had Teen Wolf this past month. So we will have like classic bonus reviews. But if you just want to back us for as low as just uh, one pound a month or $1 a month, whatever it is. Um, yeah, you can back us over there at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. And you get at least one new film review because that's kind of what we're doing nowadays. <laughs> um, and then classic. And then anytime someone does what Will did. Uh, it becomes a good bagel boss. <laughs> they get to request an episode, and that's for twenty pounds, I think, or twenty five dollars uh, a month. Um, and you only have to do it once. You don't have to keep it at that at that rate. If you want to keep supporting us, uh, that's great. And I understand it's a really tough time right now 
Um, so, you know, enjoy this free episode if you just want to get a free bonus episode. That's great as well, because like I know it's a tough time right now, and you should definitely look after yourselves before mm-hmm. you try to support us. But if you got extra money and you're not as if worried, you pay for your heating yeah. and you've got something <laughs> extra lying around, feel free. Feel, feel free. free. Um, but yeah, anyway, that'd be great. It's been a blast uh, talking about this one, and it's always fun doing uh, silly films around Halloween time. So I hope people have had a really good Halloween. Um, I think this Halloween. this would probably be out after Halloween on the main timeline, but mm. um, you know I think I'm gonna put it out Halloween day for the Patreon people. So Patreon people, happy Halloween! Uh, but yeah, I don't know what else to say, Phil. Um, <laughs> it's been fun. <laughs> Just play the music yeah. and we'll leave. Yeah. We don't, I mean, nothing funny. <laughs> go Daigo. Go Daigo is yeah. just going to play us out. Fuck yeah. Just listen, just listen to the soundtrack, if nothing else. Yeah, seriously. That will convince you to watch it. Yeah. And careful, That's you it. know, with your banana. And your piano. Your watermelon. Yeah. And your piano. Yeah, I can't trust yeah. that thing. Can't trust this piano. And your cat. And your cats, dude. Your cat. Fucking. Wait, TV. She's right here. She's been puking all okay. over the place. Haunted house cat puking all over the fucking house today. But she's the anti uh, uh, snowy. Snowy. She's like, yeah, she would kill the fuck out of (laughs) snowy. Yeah. Black cat. So she's good. Um, White cats are evil. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.